0: Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. I really am employable. <laughs> uh, yay! For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's. You are once again a company man, Jay. I am. Not that company.
1: No. No. <laughs> I am going back to my sports content creation roots. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Very super excited. If you do a college. Football podcast. I would love to hear from you.
0: There you go. Uh, and, Jay, they can find you on Twitter at? The
1: Real Pod Vader. Uh, next fan up at gmail.com uh, is the email I have to give for now because I can't give you my work email that would give away where I'm at. And we haven't publicly announced it yet.
0: But I am working. Yeah, we're hoping... <laughs> We're hoping that uh, next week we'll be able to make a, an, an official discussion of, of your new gig. But, uh, yeah, let it be known for all those with well wishes and, and all those who have uh, contacted Jay about independent opportunities. He is now back on the company time. The company dime, my friend. Uh, that also does mean, though, that your consultations, your private consultations and stuff are, are shut down now, right? It is. As a matter of fact, I had to turn over my clients to a
1: certain person that I work very closely with. So... I guess it worked out.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I hope so. As a Matter of fact, I've, I've got one of those client calls after we uh, get off the recording today, so I'm kind of excited about that. Jay, there are there are a few other new things that we should discuss briefly. Uh, in case you didn't hear our last episode, I, I discussed this move and the whys behind it there. But we have moved the feed. We are what? now on a new media host. Yeah, we're we're using Captivate. Uh, dot when FL did you do this? From <laughs> Rebel Base Media. Uh, Well, it was while you were gone, Jay. You took a week off and and I I do all sorts of stuff behind your back. Let me tell you something. The first thing that I want to talk about is the Captivate media player, their embed player. Uh, First of all, and this is something that I have begged Libsyn for in the past because I have a lot of clients that are on Libsyn. I almost all my clients, I try to go in and I change that player using custom colors, right? That's one of the things that you can do with the embed players. You can match the colors of the player itself to the colors of your logo or your website and sort of theme the thing a little bit better to fit in. That's I I suggest that everyone does that. The problem for me with Libsyns is that when you choose those custom color swatches, it doesn't automatically change them for the player you have to click the custom player and then choose that you want to use the color swatches it's like two extra clicks it's not really a problem but i love the fact that captivates player you go into the the player setting in your menus and you choose your colors and it changes the player everywhere that it exists including jay i had already embedded on every single one of our episodes uh, on our website i had embedded the new player or actually, Kelly had my wife had gone through and embedded the player on all the old episodes. Thank you, Kelly. And uh, then we changed the logo. We have a new logo too, a new design. We went to a what? yellow-based logo instead of What in the world orange. are you doing? I know, it's it's all new over here. Uh, so so the new logo. As soon as I got that in, I was like, oh god, the player uses the orange highlights. And and now we've got yellow. It's going to look really bad. It's going to take me forever. Kelly just finished those embeds. I didn't even know. But I went in and I changed the player in the settings on the Captivate website. And then I went and checked our website and all of the players had updated. So that is such a useful feature. One. W- which one didn't update?
1: Oh, the uh, pro podcasting dot com slash always listening pod. There's no player there anymore, Joel.
0: So I I had to take it off and let me tell you why. I'm going to eventually put something back up there. What we do have is the video from, uh, uh, this is like the <laughs> third episode that you and right. I did. It's the opening reaction uh, after Gimlet uh, got bought by Spotify. Um, the reason why I took off the playlist player is because Captivate does not currently have a playlist player. No. Uh, and I, I've talked to their support team. They're working on that, but they don't have one right now. Uh, they do they could sort of jerry-rig me, I, I was told. We could set up a system where uh, they could have something that would auto-populate to, like, the most recent episode. Um, but that wasn't exactly finished either, and I didn't I didn't want to use something. So anyway, I'm waiting, effectively. And for now, we've got that little intro, and then you can scroll down to click the full episode list. But uh, if you go on any one of the individual episode pages... You can see that new player. And again, the fact that it auto-updates when you change your color scheme, I think is so, so cool. Um, the other thing that I really like about it is that you can click the little – there's like a little upwards arrow. If you click that upwards arrow, it has links to all of the different directories where you can find the show. Hmm. So again, if somebody just happens there or or I like to share that website link instead of like an iTunes link or a yep. Spreaker link or a you know whatever – I share the website link, and now no matter what service you use to listen to the show, instead of just clicking the play button and like having to leave your web browser open, you can click that arrow and say, "Oh, I want to listen in Spotify," and it takes you straight to my episode in Spotify, or my episode in Apple Podcasts, and boom, takes you very straight smart. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very cool technology. Uh, Kieran is the lead tech uh, behind Rebel Base Media, and and you know, sort of like the. Uh, The Technological Wizard uh, with uh, Mark Asquith there, and they're doing really, really good work, man. I I have thoroughly enjoyed the move. The support in the move was was super helpful. In particular, Jay, mine was a complicated setup because I was moving from Spreaker for several shows and uh, from Squarespace for one show. And apparently the Squarespace RSS feeds are a real mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, so it took them a while to work through it. It took them two three days to work through it and figure it all out. But they, they were able to capture every episode for me, all of the metadata, all of the information. And as far as I can tell from the stats, we didn't lose any subscribers in the transition either. So that's very exciting. Uh, I do want to apologize. I know in this move... I've been Everything got replacing some media files. <laughs> yeah, you got I'm sure a bunch of you got forced downloads. I'm sorry about that. Um, but it is just one of the side effects of of making a uh, a media hosting move. In, on that point, Jay, I was thinking one of the upcoming episodes, we might should uh, have as a major topic things to think about when you're moving media hosts. I yeah. think there's a checklist of sorts for before you make the move, while you're things to look for while you're actually doing the move itself, and then after the move, things that you need to kind of clean up behind the fact. And And a, for instance, I came up with five or six new ones that I had kind of forgotten about or hadn't thought about in the past um, during this move. Some things that were opportunities, some things that are issues. Anyway, I think that's going to be an upcoming topic, so stay tuned for that. I want to just sort
2: of
1: address... I sort of played along there that that you did all this without my knowledge. Uh and and that is far from that's far from the truth. Joel spoke to me and we both agreed that this was the best move for this particular show and I want to really highlight that point. While Joel will tell you that the dynamic ads weren't working for this particular show, I tend to think a lot of that has to do with the bubble that we are in and understanding your audience this goes to totally understanding your audience our audience is directed towards podcast creators and in that bubble in that world podcast creators hate ads they hate them with a passion but overall research will show that listeners do not care they they have no adverse reaction to ads for a mo- for the most part a general larger part of the audience more than 50% I actually want to say it's like 75, 80% of people who listen to podcasts are not distracted by the advertisements placed in those podcasts. And that's not just host red ads. That's also the pre-produced ads that are coming from programmatic services such as VoxNest, which is the parent company of Spreaker. So understanding that, understanding that our audience, mostly podcast creators, hate ads, I can see and understood why moving this particular show off Made perfect sense my particular sports show is not moving anytime soon unless it's forced to move and that particular show has a very small audience actually has a smaller audience than this particular show does and it's making uh i would probably well joel you would know what the what the revenue was for this particular show it's making way more than what this show was making
0: yeah, I, I topped out. I, so I, it's interesting, Jay. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually working on a presentation for this specific topic. Uh, and I was uh, looking at the data. You and I have been doing this show together now for a full six months. Uh, at, at the end of August, we've been doing it for six full months in this new format. So I had six months worth of ad data, dynamic ad insertion from VoxNest uh, of what that had gained us. And I topped out the most that I made in any one of those months was like $18.43, $18. Hmm. $18.43. Um, now, it's not terrible. And again, my whole point, as I've said many times, is it's not just that eighteen forty-three; It's also the negative $20 that I would have paid in hosting for another media host to get top end stats. You know, if you want a full stats package from Libsyn, that's $20 a month for that media hosting and and then that's by the way for one show. That's one podcast for for $20 a month. I run four podcasts or or did run four podcasts through Voxnest and I was paying no hosting and getting that you know, ad revenue, $18 and change or so a month. And there were some months where it was down about 15, but no month was it under, I think the lowest month I had was $14 and change. And the highest month was $18 and change. Uh, and you've you beat me every month there, I believe, right? Well, I will tell you uh, for the month of August
1: alone, uh, Next Fan up made $32. Um, in total, $32.21 to be specific. And this month we are on the same path to making at least that much, if not more. Of course, this is football season. I do expect my numbers to grow, especially here in the first month of the football season. And so far from what I can tell from my numbers, I am on track to probably beat that $32 mark in August. Um, Again, that's on a monthly basis that doesn't, you know, not everyone's going to see those results. But like I said, I do have a very small audience and I'm making $32 a month using dynamic ads. This isn't a answer to everything, but it's definitely another stream of revenue that podcasters should be considering and understanding your audience. My audience, sports fans, they're accustomed to advertisements. They know that there are ads in their sports content. I have way less ads in my sports content that they're going to get anywhere else. So they don't have a problem listening to the ads and I'm gonna get paid for it at the end of the day. I'm going to be able to maximize that. Now, by the way, just so you know, my expenses on this particular podcast, I got 32 co-hosts. So if even if you wanna just do the simple math of, hey, everybody gets an equal share, that's a buck a person. Uh, so we still got some work to do. But at the end of the day, I'm working on a net positive, to use Joel's line, I've, I've loved this line from the beginning. I am working on a net positive with my hobby Versus a net negative. And that, to me, is what's most important to me about using dynamic ads on my podcast versus this particular podcast that we're talking on right now.
0: Yeah, well, and and that's what finally occurred to me, Jay, in relation to this decision is that this isn't a hobby for me. This show isn't my hobby. This show is part of my business. It's part of Pro Podcasting Services and it's it's part of my expansion into the world of podcasting and the audience that we've built for it, the audience that wants this content, you're right, is averse to at least averse to ads that aren't true sponsorship and that aren't in some way relevant to their their interests and what they're there for the content that they're coming for uh in relation Although
1: to I charity, dare say you should be eating the uh Bacon King at Burg- Burger King cuz it is quite delicious. <laughs> and I, <laughs> in relation to that I'm as and I'm everyone and King that cake, relates to everyone uh, unless you're a, uh-huh. unless you're a vegetarian and then you should try that impossible Whopper or the whatever the impossible Whopper yeah. that's
0: right Jay, did you like Did you like uh, game shows growing up? I love game shows. Uh, what were some of your favorites in particular? The ones that I think of off the top of my head, would, like watching all the time with my grandmother. I remember uh, Pressure Luck, oh, which they Press brought back on TV. Price Thank God right. I love the whammies. The Price is Right, absolutely. I remember Name That Tune. She was a big Name That Tune fan. Card Sharks. The new Card Sharks was horrible. The old Card Sharks was awesome. What about the uh? What about the fifty thousand dollar pyramid? Or yeah, 100, 100, yeah. What was it? One hundred. Well, it always pyramid. changed. Okay. It
1: was like ten thousand. Then it got to one hundred fifty thousand. It, was <laughs> it depended 000. on what year it yeah, was. Exactly. Right? It was great. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a deep one because it's related to my uh, fantasy football team. There's a player on the Cleveland Browns. He's a tight end. His name is David Njoku. Uh, my uh, my team name, my fantasy football team name is Joker Joker Yeah.
0: The Joker's Wild. Oh my god. Joker's Wild. And yeah, Snoop Dogg so he, hosts the new one. I was going to say they brought back The Joker's Wild with Snoop Dogg. That's that's awesome. I love The Joker's Wild too. So but the the Pyramid was one of my favorites. I loved The Pyramid because you'd have the funny it had the funny uh celebrities like on the Match Game, but then the actual oh, the game, game was a competition too. People like really got into it and they really wanted to play. Whereas Match Game was more about showing off and funny jokes, right? My love for Pyramid has been Totally reignited because there is a new podcast coming, Jay. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Things That Are Blank from Trivial Warfare. Things That Are Blank is a new show. It premieres uh, the 1st of October. There is a link in the show notes. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts and get the uh, trailer episode, which you are going to actually hear a, a version of that trailer right now. Like a picture of a polar bear in a snowstorm. This is Things That Are Blank. I'm so ready. Bring it! I can't wait to beat Chris's ass. Snap into a slip chip! Oh, yeah!
1: (laughs) What we're going to be doing is a new kind of game. So your choices are non-emotional baggage or shooty, shooty,
0: stabby, stabby. (laughs) Shooty, shooty, stabby, stabby, baby. Things That Are Blank features two teams of two fighting for the right to come back for next week's show what you just saw there is sometimes the clue giver is gonna suck right and that's okay
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay Blade. burn you have to get as many of the
1: seven clues as you can within the time allotted it is
0: what you might <sighs> get... oh my god 30 seconds is over <laughs> That was so hard. hard. So hard. Six categories, two TWA celebrities, but only one winner.
1: All right, this is the guy that was on TNT. He's got red hair. Conan O'Brien. Okay, this is the guy with really big chin. Collects cars. Uh, Jay Leno. That is correct. This is the guy. He now has a Netflix show with a beard. It's called My Next Uh, Guest. David Letterman.
0: Oh, this is so good. I love this so much. You were amazing. (laughs) Welcome to Things That Are Blank. This is going to be so
1: much fun. Things That Are Blank will premiere on Tuesday, October 1st. It's going to smell a beer, sweat, and panda Ready, Joel? Are you ready for this? All right? Yes. It's in your head. Uh, you use it all the time. Uh, it's a noodle. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 uh. is, it is It's a noodle. But yeah, uh, yes. What's a, what perfect, is a brain? perfect. Things that all are a right. brain. Uh, you used to pay for this. You used to pay this way all the time. You had to write it out. Um, oh, uh, what is a, what is a check? Yes, yes. <laughs> Very good. See,
0: we're perfect. we it. It's a great format. I think it's a great format, and here th- this is a great example, by the way, of uh, you talked. Uh, in the last episode, Jay, about these um, production companies that are making TV shows, how they should do the the recap show themselves. They should not let us drink their um, milkshake. milkshake. This is an example of Jonathan Oaks not letting other people drink his milkshake. He's inspired a, a whole new base of podcast trivia listeners with Trivial Warfare, of course, which we talked about on this show before. He's now filled the gaps (laughs) with a bunch of other shows. He's got Trivial Warfare Blitz, which is like a shortened version of that same kind of format. He's got Foreplay, which is a whole different game. All the things have connections. And then now he's got Things That Are Blank, which I think is like a high form of the entertainment version of this trivia game, right? Like the others are for hardcore trivia nerds. I think this one might have the most widespread appeal in the end of any of his formats currently. Mm. I'm very excited about that show. And thanks for the sponsorship. Didn't I just see he tried out for Jeopardy too? Uh he did. And we I don't think we know about that yet. He and Carmela both well, actually I think he, Carmella, and Ben all tried out, but Carmella and Jonathan made it to the next level or whatever. Mm. Uh, but I don't think they've heard yet. If they'll make it to the next round. I think they have like one more round before they're officially contestants. But I uh Jonathan actually said that he thought Carmela had the better chance that she was really killing it in the auditions that she had like a lot of personality and everybody seemed to enjoy her. Her presence. Um, speaking of sponsorships, we, we mentioned it earlier. You can buy a sponsorship now for the show. You can go to sponsor.alwayslisteningpod.com. Those sponsorship uh, opportunities are updated once a week, Monday nights, uh, with new rates based on um, you know uh, demand, basically. And uh, obviously, the opportunities for the most uh, current recording drops off every Monday as well. Um, so again, thanks to Jonathan. Pod, why don't we move to the speech from Tom Webster. Now, we actually covered a lot of this content okay. uh, in our most recent episode, even before Tom had posted the article. So I do not we're not going to work through it. But I read it. I know you read it. It got passed around a lot this week. If you have not read this, Three Ways to Survive Podcasting's Existential Crisis. It's a really, really solid article from a guy that you and I both respect a lot. If I were doing a Podcast 101
1: course at a university or something, this article would be required reading. So if you are listening to the show because you're a content creator, you're a podcast creator, you should have read this article. And if you haven't yet, we got a link in the show notes, go read it. It's very important when you're thinking about creating your content and you're thinking about the audience you're looking to attract and understanding how your audience is going to interact with you, how your audience is going to find you and the differences between a veteran listener and a rookie listener, and how they interact with your show differently. Uh, very important uh, reading. Uh, I can't wait for the visual presentation, I, you know, available from the podcast movement on the virtual ticket. Uh, although I believe it, he was on the live stage. So that that video may already be available. I'm not 100% sure on that. Have to look that up. But um, listen, everyone knows my my uh, affection for Tom Webster—he is my podcast boyfriend, whether he likes it or not. I'll just call him my podcast crush. Yeah, how's that? That's even better. Um, I mean, you should be listening and reading his stuff all the time, anyway.
0: If uh, if he was on the live stage, I think you're right. I think it is available. It's one of those things. I think you have to register for. I think you have to, um, you know, go through their little wall and give them your email address or something like that. But I do think that you could still access those, um, those recordings. Um, that was a great, I think we talked about it when podcast movement was actually happening, but that was a great idea by the way. And I hope that I watched quite a bit of those live videos, even sitting at home this year. And I hope they continue to do that uh, next year as well. Yeah. Go read that article folks. Like again, if you're a content creator of any kind, go read the article and check it out. If you're a content creator that's been at this a while and you think you have something to offer the podcast, you know, community at large, PodFest speaker submissions are open. Uh, There's a link in our show notes for the Google form that you need to fill out. Uh, But PodFest 2020 is going to be held the first week of March. Uh, Jay, I think it's March 6th through 8th, 2020 in Orlando again. uh, I saw a video Chris Kremitzos posted or shared something that somebody else had posted. It was like a YouTube travel video, but there were some clips in it of the hotel where the conference is going to be held this year. It's a a new venue, I believe from last year and it is a really, really cool looking space. Uh, Excited about that one. Podfest for those who have not, heard us talk about it before or, uh, haven't been to that event. Uh, it is a little bit smaller event than podcast movement still, although it is growing by leaps and bounds. I think last year they were over 1500, um, attendees or so. Uh, but it, it's a little bit more, I would say like a tighter knit community almost sure uh, it does tend to be a little bit uh, more focused on the East Coast uh, creators rather than you know the uh, entire nation since they don't move like pod- podcast movement does I think that is just kind of natural uh, the other thing that's interesting and, and a little bit different about Podfest to me is that in the last couple of years, especially in the first day, they have had a heightened focus on uh, YouTube and video creation. That it's been sort of like a whole separate track. Um, It's called Podfest Expo. You know, that's the name that they still use it. It it is more than just podcasting. Uh, I think that is something that Chris. Still wants to hold on to, uh, and the idea that it is more about content creation, and you know these entrepreneurs that are that are working on building a brand through self-expression in one way or another. I've always believed in
1: that, and we can say what we want about the old New Media Expo, but really, I thought the brilliance of of that particular show was the fact that there was a blending of bloggers, vloggers, and podcasters. You can learn so many different things from people that do. Different things in a sort of related role. You can learn a lot from a blogger. Uh, if you're not blogging along with your podcast, you you might be hurting your potential audience growth. We know that doing both things uh, simultaneous with each other helps in find in people discovering your podcast. We always talk about the discoverability, quote unquote, problem in podcasting. Well, blogging is a is an easy marketable way for you to get more eyeballs slash earbuds onto your particular content. So I've always believed in that and bringing in different types of content creators together so that you can learn from everyone. And by the way, this does not limit to just internet types of content creation. Podcasters should and understand that you can learn a lot from radio broadcasters. You can learn a lot from television productions. You can learn a lot from film production. And vice versa, by the way. It's not that, oh, they've been doing it for X amount of years longer. Uh, they're the kings. They know everything. No, that's not true. There is, a, there is a two-way street there that both sides can learn from each other. And that's sort of what a conference like this can help bring together. You can sort of get that merging of ideas. And thus, when you do that, you,
0: you, you rapidly grow as an industry. I think you're absolutely right, Jay. I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's interesting. Um, Evo Terra uh, put out an episode, I think, this past week of podcast pontification, his show, where he talked about living, being where your audience lives, effectively. And the the concept was that we need to let our podcast content flow (laughs) more naturally into all the spaces where our audiences are, right? We need to make those audiograms to go on Instagram because those people are not podcast listeners, but they do want our info. They do want our content. We need to go onto YouTube and figure out a way to make video content out of our audio because we have potential listeners and potential audience on YouTube that wants what we have. They just don't know it because they haven't found us yet, and we're not going to where they live. You know that's the broader idea. I thought specifically when he was talking about this about Joe Rogan and the fact that so many people we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, everybody knows Joe. Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan experience was the number one recognized podcast by that um uh, the study that was done. I think that's because, if anything, I think it's because Joe goes wherever they live, right? Joe lives in YouTube snippets. Joe lives in Twitter clips. Joe lives in memes and GIFs and, and those Facebook, the 15-second Facebook where you got the what it's about at the top and what it's about at the bottom, and you got just a 15-second snippet of video. I mean, I think about how many times did you see Elon Musk smoking weed on Joe Rogan's show without ever watching Joe Rogan's show? Me, I've still never listened to or watched that episode, and yet I've seen those images or video of those images hundreds of times.
1: <laughs> also, understand Joe's got a team. It's not just Joe by himself. Joe's got a got a couple of different producers. He's got he's got some team around him. Not as large as an NPR team, but it's still it's multiple people. It's not just Joe Rogan all by himself. Um, yeah.
0: Speaking of Joe, uh, Coleman insights followed up on that article, uh, saying that they, uh, the Joe Rogan experience, uh, enjoyed a level of unaided awareness. That's more than twice that of any other podcast with a little bit more data, a little bit finer point on it this time. I thought they had
1: a presentation at podcast movement as well, that apparently covered a lot of these things that they released in mid August, uh, leading up to podcast movement. Uh, this particular um, first one that we're going to talk about is the idea behind, well, what if we took the pod track Top 20 and find out what the brand awareness would be uh, with listeners by putting it in an actual ranking? You know, we've got the rankings. Let's let's see how, how these uh, play out. And according to this chart from March of 2019, with aided awareness, that means... Uh, the questioner uh, asked the uh, asked the surveyor I think I said that right um, you know do you know TED Talks daily and then they either answer a simple yes or no question uh, when they did that the top show was TED Talks daily only 43 percent of 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 these of these people recognized that particular brand um, and that's in the top 20. It was followed by The Daily at 35%, The Ted Radio Hour at 32%, The Ben Shapiro Show at 31%, The Ron Burgundy Show, well, we love The Ron Burgundy Show, only at 29%, <laughs> which which is even more, and, and, and if you really want your mind blown, This American Life, which has been around forever, at only 28%. Um, I mean, The Ron Burgundy Show especially, I mean, Ron Burgundy as a character has widespread impact on many different people, not just podcast listeners. The fact that only 29% of the respondents with aided
0: assistance
1: were only able to recognize the Ron Burgundy show, it says a lot about the
0: branding and in podcasting. We know the amount of advertising that iHeart has put behind that show across their entire reach and, and network, but then also actual paid advertising across the web on different platforms. I mean, they have promoted that show heavily. It's gotten a lot of free pre- free press because it's an interesting concept that that uh you know, Will Ferrell's coming to the podcasting world in character like that. I don't I think that's the first time that a a major, you know, movie picture star has done something like that in character. I can't in think character. of another one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've uh, other celebrities have had their own podcasts, but I don't think uh, another celebrity has done an in character bit like that. Rick- the closest, I guess, would be like Mike Myers doing that game show a year ago, but that was again a TV show, not a a podcast. You know,
1: what about Rick Gervais? He was a popular podcast back you know, in the day.
0: I mean, and that's not exactly a character, but it was really in many, and his th- that show was very much the three of them. Doing their bit, I—that's I, pretty close. But again, I think that is—he was still doing it under his own name. Mm. He was effectively doing it as like a stand-up, not as a—that's—that's uh, that's more akin to like WTF with Mark Maron, I think, than anything else. Um, but anyway, my point is. Even with that, even with that giant apparatus behind him, even with the brand that exists in mainstream films already, not one, two, he's got two freaking movies about that guy. Right. And still, he can't get 30% of the audience to say that, yeah, they recognize that as a name? Like, holy moly.
2: Mm.
1: Well, Joel, what do we do with all this? I mean, if Joe Rogan can't even get recognized, if The Daily can't even get recognized, what is the point? What do we do, Joel? Well, I'm glad you asked, Joel, (laughs) even though I asked you, Uh, because Coleman Insights provided uh, seven things that they said will help build your brand. And I think these are very important as a content creator to understand you do have to build your brand, even if your brand isn't going to be as recognized as some of those big name podcasters, even if those big name podcasters aren't getting recognized as much as we believe they should be. These are things you absolutely have to have set down in Pat or you're just not going to find the success you're looking for. One, have your elevator pitch down. And I think that's important to understand. Uh, If you don't, if you can't explain to somebody else what your show is about in one or two sentences, uh, that's a problem. You need to go back and sort of refocus what you're doing and what value you're providing your potential audience uh, Two, give your podcast a memorable name. I think this is sort of an obvious one at the same time though. Remember that wonderful phrase. I think I learned it all the way back in kindergarten. Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Don't try and get too cute with your name because oftentimes people are going to be trying to find you and they to be like, Oh, what was that show about? Um, about about uh business was it uh was it monkey business was it was it monkeying around what
0: i you know it's it's alchemy man it is it is literally magic it's such a fine line to walk trying to to be artful in your titling but also actually descriptive and to use, you know, keywords or things, you know, leave breadcrumbs for a potential audience to find you the right way. I've got a client who is a trademark lawyer and her show so often focuses on this very thing. You know, she talks about, especially in the modern world, everybody's worried about getting the dot com. So they'll misspell things. They'll have this super complex, you know, uh, uh, complex word, uh, a compound word, I should say. And then Nobody can say it to their Amazon who's what's it or to uh what's her name on your iPhone, you know? Like and if you can't do those things, you might as well not exist in the modern ecosystem if as far as a product. I think that I think the same is true in podcasts. If I can't call you to mind fairly easily and if I can't type it quickly in that search bar, then it's going to be very, very difficult for you to get traction with a mainstream audience of any size whatsoever. The other thing, though, just on those first two points, Jay, and to the broader issue of you look at this chart through the first article and even TED Talks Daily only has recognition among 43% of the audience, and you said, what do we do about that? Maybe we remember that the audience for podcasts is currently huge, And it's growing, and the audience that we'll have tomorrow and next week and a year from now is larger than we can imagine, exponentially so, honestly. And we think to ourselves, I don't need 40% of that podcasting audience to be successful and have a great show. What I need is to lock down. All of the podcast listeners that actually want the content that I have, which goes back to the locking down that elevator pitch. Know what it is that you're offering. Know what it is that you're offering so you can know who you're offering it for. Right, And maybe that's a give and take, but I feel like most of us come to podcasting because we have a passion topic or, a, or something that we really want to get off our chests or something that we want to share, information that we want to research and share. And if that is the case, if we're coming with the idea and the topic in mind, then we have to triangulate backwards for who that's for. Alternatively, if it's just about growing a show, period, then we need to think, what is the opportunity? Who is the audience that's out there and what do they want? <laughs> and then you can craft any show you want to to feed them, right? But I don't think that's how most people come to podcasting.
1: All very, very solid points there, Joel. The next branding recommendation, use jingles and other mnemonic devices that help consumers remember this. Uh, Seinfeld had a great episode about this. It's Menin. Uh, (laughs) I mean, there are certain jingles that when you hear them, you know, uh, the McDonald's jingle, that's another good one, uh, that people immediately will make that connection and go, Oh, I know exactly what it is that you're talking about. Well, if you can do that with your podcast, you found something special. Like people are going to remember certain little things that you do. And I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head right now, and I'm, dying to find out oh uh, uh, uh back when i worked at espn on the fantasy focus it was put it on the board board wagers that they used to do they'd they they disagree about a certain topic uh they would go back and forth on it for a little while and then eventually they'd put place a wager on it uh and to stake that the wager
0: was being made they'd yell put it on the board And then you oftentimes you'd have a sounder of like a guest yelling, put it on the board or one of them yelling, put it on the board in some humorous way or whatever on the board. Um, I, I think all the time about uh, a show that I love, the Weekly Planet podcast. I've mentioned them and some of their sister shows on this podcast before, uh, two guys out of Australia that uh, talk about movies, comic books, TV shows, and stuff. But they have a bunch of different jingles through their show, and all of them are memorable and catchy to me, and I, I think about them a lot, uh, in particular <laughs> – uh, they do a segment at the end where they do letters, right? They, they read emails and stuff from the audience and uh, they've, they've got some audience member at some point did this jingle and sent it in, but then it was added to by the hosts because they did something funny live the first time and so now it's literally they played the jingle off of a smartphone like in front of this the microphone that's how they put it on the show every week but the jingle is it's letters it's letters we love you some letters you're only a day away and then you hear the other host go no they here right now we're going to do letters that's that's the whole jingle and i love it i love it i do i'd say it out loud all the time it's like background in my head the one that even my kids sing is the accidental tech podcast theme song they play it at the end of their show, not the beginning. It's like when they say, and that's the show and accidental. It's a, I can't think of the guy's name who, who sang it, wrote it and sang it. Now he's like a famous nerd, uh, YouTube musician or whatever. But anyway, um, my kids know all the words to that song, even though they don't listen to the show (laughs) because I sing it a lot. And so they sing it now too. They all really, really like the accidental tech podcast theme song. Um, I mean, we've talked about this with TV shows. There is a reason why intros and outros for your show are important. The point here, I would think, is can you standardize segments and then put a small jingle or wiper or something, sweep or whatever? you know Those are the terms we use in radio. Can you put some more production like that into the actual segments of your show? Another one
1: that I will share, if you're a sports fan and you ever hear the word playoffs, you immediately think of Jim Mora going, Playoffs?! Uh, You're welcome, or you can come and try and assassinate me, because that was me on Mike and Mike in the Morning. The day that happened, every time the word playoffs was ever said, I immediately hit the Jim Mora playoffs sounder. So anyone that has grown up, grew up listening to Mike and Mike in the Morning on ESPN Radio, you immediately hear playoffs. You immediately hear Jim Mora in your head. Uh, I hear it all the time still people will do it actually on television. They'll, they'll be just talking. And they're like, Oh, and they're getting ready for the playoffs playoffs. They'll do it themselves. It's kind of funny. Um, use a consistent structure. I mean, if you're, if you're going to have, uh, if you're doing a podcast and you're building out your content, I, again, this one seems to be kind of obvious. Uh, I would just add to that though. Um, surprise your audience from time to time. Don't let them get so accustomed to, all right, I know at the eight-minute mark, this is going to happen. And I know at the 12-minute mark, this is going to happen. And I know at the 20-minute mark, this is going to happen. Change it up from time to time. Throw them a little bit of a curveball. It keeps your audience on their toes. And when your audience is on their toes, they are actively
0: participating and listening to your show. So my favorite example of this that currently pops to mind is Mabim Mabam, My Brother, My Brother, and Me, the McElroy brothers. uh, Their standard format is they're either answering uh, Yahoo Answers. Uh, giving advice to those questions, or they are literally answering emails from listeners and giving advice to those questions. Uh, Justin, the oldest brother, has two different segments that he is fond of using to interrupt either one of those. One, he begins with a, like literally like a a beeper coming on an old-timey radio or something. Beep, 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 Oh, it's a haunted doll watch. And so uh, Griffin will start to do a Yahoo Answers, and Justin will jump in and interrupt with that beep, 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 beep. It's a haunted doll watch, and talk about this haunted doll that he's found online. Or he starts a little guitar solo, and Justin Griffin starts talking again. But I want a Munch Squad. I want too much. And he reads a press. He reads a press release from a fast food restaurant about something ridiculous that they've come out with. That's the Munch Squad. But the fact that he interrupts. And you don't know when it's coming. So many, many times the brothers will anticipate he's about to. So he'll say, hey, uh, Griffin, you want to do another Yahoo? And Griffin's like, I don't know. Do I? Yeah, no, go ahead. Do a Yahoo. And so like Griffin's like slowly starting to read it because he thinks Justin's about to jump in. But then he won't all of a sudden. And it'll be like a whole segment. Like, la- Anyway. You never know when they're coming. You never know which one you're gonna get. That's exciting. And you can hear it, especially in the live shows that they do. The live audience like will sing the guitar solo with him, et cetera, et cetera. They all want to clap along or whatever. Like it's a whole it's a whole deal. I love that. I love that. Uh to that point,
1: utilize benchmarks, recurring segments, or features. We've talked about a couple of them already. Uh in that regard, maybe, you know, as the example here, think of David Letterman's top ten lists that he did at the end of every monologue. Jimmy Fallon writing thank you notes every Friday night. Uh, these are things that you should definitely be getting your audience used to. Like if if you have a show that reco- that that you're going to do emails on, maybe you don't do emails every show. Uh, make a show where you know you're going to do emails at this particular point of the show on these particular days, or if you're weekly, every other week, something like that. Come up with something that is recurring. It brings your audience back, uh, especially if it involves the audience to get audience participation in. Uh, Make sure your topics are on target. Again, I feel like this is kind of obvious. If you're doing a show about, uh, hmm, let's try and make this really narrow. If you're doing a show about horse breeding, don't do a topic on uh polo uh water polo because horses don't play water polo
0: i should i agree i agree absolutely there's a show that i've mentioned recently on this podcast cheers weekly it was one of my uh, currently, listening a few episodes back, uh, Cheers Weekly. I love that podcast. However, they both really like TV in general and they don't have any other outlets to talk about it. So, at the beginning of every single episode, they end up talking about what else they've been watching. And those segments sometimes go for 20 or 30 minutes of a podcast that's only 45 or an hour long and like. I came to listen to cheers i didn't come to listen to the americans or whatever else that they're talking about we've done it on this show we're trust me we're not we're not we're not great adherers to this
1: rule either (laughs) but you know we try and do it at least at the end of a show not right at the beginning
0: Yes, one one or the other, but segment it off at least to let your audience know they can skip it, if possible. Maybe even put a chapter marker in there or a timestamp in your show notes so that they can get around it if they want to all together, If you're going to continue to include the content that's uh, sort of slightly relevant, um, this last one I like: Jay, advertise your podcast. I also like the fact that they point out that's not just about budget, right? There are all sorts of ways to advertise your show. For instance, one of the things that I've been doing for not only my own personal podcast but all my client shows over the last. Few weeks, Kelly and I have set up some systems working together for us to pump out more social media content. I want a post on Facebook every day. I want a post or two on Twitter every day. I want to post on Instagram every day if I can. And one person, honestly, can't do that. Not for multiple podcasts and have a day job, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, it is about building out a team. Maybe it's your co-host. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your audience. We've talked about making an audience uh, team members in the past, but like bring on one of your old time listeners, somebody who's been there from the very beginning, somebody who you email with on a regular basis, somebody who's become a Facebook friend, maybe somebody you've met in an event, et cetera, et cetera. Say, Hey, what do you think about adminning our Facebook group? What do you think about being in charge of some social media promotions. I can feed you the links or the graphics or the whatever, but I need somebody to take the time to post and to comment, you know, or things like that. Um, Form yourself a team, form yourself a team, because as we mentioned with Joe Rogan at the top, they're doing it right. Yep. And
1: understand too, uh, there are tools that will help you in this regard. Hootsuite is one that comes right to mind where you can make posts and schedule them for future release. But remember, social media is social for a reason. You're not just automating your social media posts. You want to automate it to help you engage with your audience as they are engaging with you. So if you're going to automate your future posts, be sure that you're available to interact with your audience when those posts become available and are live. And again, if you can't do that, then, as Joel suggested, getting someone as a member of your team, and you don't have to pay them. Sometimes they're they are more than happy to help the show out, especially if they're a listener. Uh, getting someone to help you do that is is—is of utmost importance. Because honestly, while great content will rise to the, the cream, will rise to the top, it's only going to get you so far. You got to get that word out to the people that have no
0: clue who you are or what your content is. And and on that note, Jay, advertising does work. Mm. Like actual advertising does work too. If you have a budget, if you're thinking about buying a bunch of new microphones, for instance, and your audio is, if you really are honest with yourself, your audio is fine as is, maybe spend that money on advertising and grow your audience instead. And then use that larger audience to pay for some new microphones. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you could put the cart before the horse there. Are you um, about to tell me about a an, an advertiser I, here? I I, I am going to tell you about a sponsor here in a second, but in particular, I was going to say there's a lot of opportunities out there. Everybody thinks Facebook ads, right? And yes, you can run Facebook ads. You can run Twitter ads, but you can also promote yourself on podcasts. There are lots of podcasts that allow to sell sponsorship directly. I think about the Overcast app. The Overcast app is one that I do not think people think of often enough, but there is sponsorship available through the Overcast app. If you Google that, you can find it. There's a link through Marco's website, uh, overcast.com, somewhere to, to buy it. But he opens up sponsorship on a regular basis through all the different uh, genres, and you can target listeners in specific genres with your own show. It is a very, very powerful tool, and I've heard a lot of success stories from it. Uh, You can also advertise on this show, as our friend Mark Bologna did for Beyond Bourbon Street. Beyond Bourbon Street is an insider's guide to New Orleans. New Orleans is probably my favorite city in the world, uh, Jay. I know it's high on your list, too, even though you might not be your favorite. I've never been there. Have you really not? I've never been. I want to be. I to want to go that.
1: sometime. But yeah, we
0: gotta put. We gotta get a podcast conference in New Orleans so you can justify the trip. <laughs> exactly. <about it. laughs> uh, Beyond Bourbon Street is a podcast where they explore the food, the music, the places, the people, the events that make New Orleans unique. Whether you're planning a trip, you're currently living in New Orleans, or you simply want a taste of the Crescent City from wherever you are, you have come to the right place. BeyondBourbonStreet.com, dot com. There's a link in the show notes, uh, but also. It, he's been doing some really interesting stuff lately, for instance, um in July, he did a hurricane prep episode, oh, which I thought was really, really smart. cool because again you if you if you're someone who like goes there on vacation once or like maybe you grew up there but you haven't lived there in a million years. And you hear about it on the news. You see the Weather Channel and like Jim Cantore or whatever his name is is heading down there in his parka. Uh, like you think, OK, well, New Orleans is about to blow off the map. Like New Orleans was fine during this, this last round. It's often fine. And uh, he had a great episode about what do you do? You know, what do you do when the hurricane's coming if you live in New Orleans? As somebody who lived there myself for three years in a row— that was a really interesting experience doing the evacuations. Like you literally board up the windows and stuff. You load up your valuables and boxes and you head North.
1: My dad just did this. My dad, my dad lives in Jacksonville and uh, had a two week vacation planned uh, right before Dorian decided to show up. He's like, Gosh, darn it. They're saying anywhere from a category 1 to a category 4, but if I leave my windows boarded up for 2 weeks, that's a like, hello robbers, I'm not home. Uh and he's just like, what the heck am I going to do? Ultimately, he ended up boarding up his windows. But uh yeah, uh, hurricanes
0: uh real problem down there on the coasts. They can be. They absolutely can be. And it, it is interesting to have an entire culture that's sort of built around a couple of times a year. We're probably going to box up and go away for the weekend. One last one last thing about New Orleans.
1: Um, I'm not a big fan of spicy food. I know that's like the Cajun lifestyle. So, like, that one thing that turns me off. But I am a big fan of beignets. My wife's name is Benet. I cannot wait to have beignets
0: with Benet. <laughs> So I envision uh, a retirement scenario where you and her have moved down there you're living in the French Quarter and you've opened up a little shop Benet's beignets uh I think it's going to be a great uh, a great future for you it might be I see you tool around the the French Quarter in in uh um It's a good brand uh, cargo shorts so speaking of Mark, though, Mark Bologna, the host of Beyond Bourbon Street, I wanted to mention, I thought this was very interesting. He just got featured uh, in a, a local publication, nola.verylocal.com. You can find the show notes for this, uh, the link for this in the show notes, I should say. Uh, a write-up from Chef James Cullen about him and the show. The headline is awesome. Beyond Bourbon Street podcast is the heart and soul of the city. Woo! <laughs> You couldn't have a a more ringing endorsement than that, right, from a local publication. The thing that occurs to me about this, Jay, that everybody can take away, first of all, Mark's done a great job with this show. He's worked very hard at it for a long time. He's very focused on giving back to the community, and he did it the right way. He's slowly built up to an ask. He's got some things now where he offers uh, special events, travel deals, and things like that to his audience. He's making some money that way, but also he's begun running some special events, which is really cool. Like He'll have a, like a night out on the town. Here's a big six-course meal or something, and the only way to get a ticket is if you're you're a Patreon member or you go through his um, membership link or whatever and, and you can come and join the fun. Uh, they've done a handful of events like that uh, and that's growing. The thing that I can take away from this though for everybody and anybody listening to this show should think about for their own shows and for their own brand as it were. International Podcast Day is coming up at the end of September. Every media outlet that you can think of is going to have something about podcasting that day it's very big right now it's a topic that everyone's thinking about and in particular on that day it's going to be what their editors say hey we need something about podcasting today so they're all working on those articles or those you know news segments for the morning show on the local news station why not put together your own bio some links of your show the things that you've done in and around podcasting. Maybe you've spoken at a conference or two. Maybe you've got a business that's built off of your podcast or around podcasting itself. Why not contact your local media outlet and say, Hi, International Podcasting Day is, what is it? It's like September It's the last day of 30? the month. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is the 30th. Okay. It's the end of the month. My name is X. I live in your town. I've been a podcaster since 2012, if if I'm writing the article, right? I've been podcasting for seven years. I've been in radio for a little over 15. And I would love to tell you about what podcasting has done for my life and how I've grown a business and brand in and around it. Would that be of interest for you for International Podcasting Day? Here's my website link. You can listen to my show. You know, like something as simple as that. And I got to tell you, Like the local radio stations might not be interested in it (laughs) because you're sort of competition. And also they probably have their own podcasts already, but the local newspaper, especially if you're not in a major metropolitan area, they don't have a podcast or if they do, they they're not promoting it very well. The local TV station, they probably don't have a podcast. And even if they do promoting their own shows, that's not a great story. That's not a local interest story, right? But if you are this interesting, you know, figure Again, think about the local audience that you could build for yourself, the local notoriety. Think about the additional um, credibility that it brings to your website to say, hey, I was featured. Here's my segment. The news station, the TV station
1: especially, it gives them an opportunity to toot their own horn. Hey, They go and they just toot their own horn on International Podcast Day. It's like, oh, yeah, great. That's, that's phenomenal. But if they do a piece on a local podcaster – they, they use that as the main thrust of their story, but then they're going to put their promo at the end of that story about their content that they have available as a podcast. You've now done them a favor. So, uh, listen, it doesn't hurt to ask. You're not going to know if you don't ask. So you should go out and ask. I mean, this is... This is an obvious area of free marketing. And remember all those things we just talked about with the branding of your podcast, have that elevator pitch ready, have all of those resources ready, be ready to be the expert on podcasting for that particular author, because I can guarantee that author has no clue what they're doing and they're going to be looking for as much help as they possibly can to get as much information as they possibly can to write an educated article.
0: I am absolutely going to be doing this myself. I'm, And again, like the worst they can do is tell you no, uh, but they can't tell you no if you don't ask. So why not give it a try? And by the way, just
1: because they told you no this time next year, you should do it again. Because the person who said no may no longer be there and somebody else might be there and say this is a priority. Or even the person who said no realizes, oh, crud, I really missed out on an opportunity last year. I'm not going to miss out on it this year. Uh, Don't make this an every week type of ask. You got to give it sort of room to breathe when you get that no. But just because they said no once doesn't mean they're going to say no again when you propose it again. And by the way, a year later, maybe you've established yourself even more as a presence in the podcasting space. Maybe your audience has grown. Maybe you, maybe you're getting more eyeballs and earbuds than you previously were, and now you're even more valuable to that particular media outlet.
0: Yeah. Jay, I think that's applicable for anybody. That's the point. Anybody can take that and run with it. And again, like you build on it, maybe it's the local news station. Maybe it's the local, maybe there's a news magazine in your area. Maybe there's a, you know, something that comes out once a month. Maybe there's a website that's popular in your local area, whoever it is. One of those outlets is looking for a story. You could be that story. Go get in front of them this week. Jay, uh, where can people find you online? particularly if they're a uh, college, college football podcast? Yeah, if you' if you're into college sports and you're doing a podcast, uh, I'm most likely
1: going to be reaching out to you here within the next few weeks. Uh, if you want to reach out to me first, I would love it uh, at the real Podvader on Twitter. Uh, Nextfanup at gmail.com is the email I can give you for right now. I can give you the first part. The first half of my email address is Podvader@. At such and such and such.com. But I can't tell you the such and such part yet.
0: We'll work on that for next week. Uh, don't forget to check out all the show notes. Uh, there's some really good links in there. You can find that uh, all at alwayslisteningpod.com. And of course, if you're interested in uh, promoting your own show or service or product, you can find those opportunities at sponsor.alwayslisteningpod.com. You can find me, propodcastingservices.com, or on Twitter at The Rogues Life. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my email is at that website, so, uh, you can find it there too. Um, Jay, until next week, we've been your hosts. I am Joel. I'm Jay such and such, such and such. (laughs) And we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than a 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough, Enough. From Bethany Rayburn.